Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank, the bank that specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of North Fulton Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and folks, we are broadcasting from inside Renaissance Bank in beautiful Alpharetta. And if you're looking for a bank that's big enough to handle pretty much any need you can throw at them as a small, medium-sized business, but you know they're small enough to deliver their services in a personal way, that's a magic combination. That's one I have found at Renaissance Bank when I work with uh, the clients that I work with. Uh, so if that's what you're looking for, if you're tired of the mega bank experience, go to renaissancebank.com. Find one of their local offices, some 200 across the southeast, and give them a call. I think you'll be glad you did. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And now I want to welcome Dr. Aisha Wright-Burke. Dr. Burke is with ADP. She is the Director of Talent Solutions. Dr. Burke, welcome. Thank you, John. Yeah. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to see you uh, outside of SOAR. We, we met at uh, the SOAR conference that's run by uh, Sherman Atlantis. Yes, so, did. yeah, great to have you in the studio. Thank you. That's a little quieter here, so we can. <laughs> We can concentrate, right? Yeah, yeah. That was a, that, but that that was a buzzing conference. So it was a, a wonderful conference. So I'm I'm shouting that out, folks. If you missed it and you're in HR, you need to be there in 2024. Absolutely. Well, let's get to you and your work. Uh, how are you serving folks there at ADP? Well, I lead succession planning, what we call talent touch points. Mm-hmm. I lead that globally for the organization philosophy. We have a technology that supports that. And really encouraging those developmental conversations, career conversations between managers and employees for business continuity, but also for development of our most important asset, our associates' employees. Terrific. Terrific. Let's talk a little bit about you before we get into how you do what you do and some of the things you're seeing. Um, talk about your journey and uh, why HR for you? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I actually started out in undergrad wanting to be an obstetrician, OBGYN. Really? Absolutely. Okay. Two years in science track. Mm-hmm. And the second time I took chemistry, it just, just, just didn't click. Yeah. And so I said, well, what else might be a good avenue for me to go down? And I took a, a, had a wonderful professor in uh, organizational behavior. And that kind of started me on uh, HR track. I have a couple family members that were in HR in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, found that out later, but I landed a rotational opportunity within uh, Siemens, my former company. Mm. And uh, it really gave me a really wonderful entree along with an internship. It also influenced me in moving into the space. So um, I had a short, I had a one summer internship with Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company. Um, they showed me a lot of great things mm. and uh, enough to want me to learn more. Mm. So you, you really had a, I guess what you had an epiphany about your interest in people. Yes. Right. I did. That's what it sounds like. Mm -hmm. And, uh, talk about you, you, you're a PhD. I respect PhDs because I'm married to one. So I know what it takes (laughs) to get there. Talk about your, uh, graduate education. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a lifelong learner. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't realize it probably until 
maybe 10, 15 years ago, but um, always not only schooling academia, but also outside of work. And um, I wanted to do a master's program, which, um, but I needed to work as well. Mm. So found a wonderful program in many, but the best is at UGA. Oh, look at you. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I did a working professionals master's program and they were starting a cohort for a doctoral program at EDD. Oh, wonderful. So uh, us PhD and EDDs, we work in the same space. Some yep. more practice and some more research, but mm-hmm. all, all in the same vein of learning. And um, I, after I finished my master's, there was an opportunity to join the cohort for the first uh, EDD program in um, human resources or adult education. Mm. So um, that was a really extraordinary opportunity, not only for the learning, but also um, for me to grow as a professional. Um, it just hit all of the things that I love about people and um, being able to apply that at work, but also just in life. Yeah. 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 That's well, and there's a discipline that comes from that too, right? That, yeah. 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 Sense of satisfaction. I'm yeah. A pretty goal oriented person. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you sound like my wife. Very, very goal. <laughs> she wanted that PhD. She was going to have it. So that's wonderful. Um, so t- talk about the, um, I guess your journey in HR, because uh, for people that are not in HR, that's all the same thing, but it's not. There are a lot of different pieces to HR. Absolutely. Yeah, I started off more, well, when I was in a rotation program, it was more like a just learn about a couple of different things and then you, you, feel, you fill out what you like. Um, so I was more in a specialist role when I started in HR. Mm-hmm. I had specialties in benefits, compensation, employee relations, um, and also there's the feed HR plus talent acquisition as a specialty. Um, and I did most of my, probably half my career in specialty work, whether it was talent and OD or talent acquisition, did a stint in comp, um, not in that particular order, but mm-hmm. then uh, had an it had a kind of a taste of field HR, mm-hmm. being in one of my specialty roles, being supporting uh, early career programs um, that I was a part of, mm. um, and then had an opportunity with ADP um, in a field HR role. So it really gave me a lot of experience, not only to learn the business, but also learn more about field HR, and they go hand in hand. It's almost like in a manufacturing facility, you have people that run the business and people actually making widgets or the parts. Mm. Um, and both of them work in concert. And that's how I look at uh, real, any function, but also HR. You need all of that to work together in concert for uh, the benefit of the company, the benefit of the individual, the team. It, it all works together. Yeah, that's a really great point because when that does not work in concert, it really creates more angst in the employee and employees than often is even called for. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, because that's such an important piece of the way, obviously an essential piece of the way employees plug into the company. Yes. That when they see, uh, even a little, um, dissonance there, it really creates some angst, right? It can, it can. Yeah. 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 Um, so let, let's let's talk about conversations between managers and employees. And 
first of all, let's just talk about the form forms those take because this is not just like a conversation that you and I are having yes. right now, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. It can. Yes. It. I think uh, the basis of manager employee conversations is of trust, both mm-hmm. from both people, mm-hmm. um, and having a level of vulnerability, mm-hmm. um, which can be hard for either party. Um, it can come in time. Sometimes it doesn't come in time. But if you have those two things, I think it, it serves as a basis for an even more robust conversation that benefits both the employee and the manager. Mm-hmm. The If a, an associate or an employee needs to would like to develop in a certain area um, and they need some help guiding them on where to find that information or those resources, they have to be willing to ask for it. Mm-hmm. And some people aren't willing to ask for it because... Yeah. They think about every other thing that could go wrong or mm-hmm. how they may be looked or maybe they want to, the manager may think they want to leave their role when that might be the case. They might want to stay in role, which, which means they need to communicate that, mm-hmm. that I would like to stay in role and I want to learn about X mm. um, and vice versa with the manager. They, everyone needs to find their own way that they like to lead. I think vulnerability, vulnerability, I can't say that word today, <laughs> is a piece of that puzzle when you're figuring out how you want to lead others. Mm. And when you can, whether you're leading beside someone or leading in front, open up a space that is safe for people to share with you as a leader is really important. Not only that you, you gain more information in order to support that person and your team and the business, it supports you as a leader too. Mm. You just kind of have to find that balance. It only comes with being open, thinking that everyone has the best intent mm-hmm. for that conversation or that person and being a little vulnerable and giving some trust. You said something there. I thought really stood out for me, uh, leading, leading beside someone mm-hmm. as opposed to in front. Um, Talk about what you mean by that. Yeah. That's an interesting concept. I, um, I've had the fortunate, fortune to have leaders that lead in front, but also beside. The, um, I've had leaders that are able to do work beside me, but also we have enough mutual respect to know that is my leader. Mm-hmm. She leads the team or he leads the team. Mm-hmm. And there's just mutual respect. It's a foundation. Right. But the leader's not willing to, is willing to roll up their arms and do work alongside you. Maybe not all of it, but with you mm-hmm. to show that they're in it beside you. Sure. The, um, and some leaders are more comfortable leading, delegating from the front and just staying there. I think there's more benefit. And of course, it depends on the person too, if someone can lead beside, but also lead in front. Cause there's sometimes that leaders have to make executive decisions for the team, mm-hmm. especially if we can't, as a team come to a decision, <laughs> Um, or there might be things that we're not privy to. They need to make a decision on behalf of the team. Mm-hmm. And I think as a partner or a team member, realize that, respect that, and knowing that there are is work is in the best interest of the team and that individual when we can't be a part of that decision as far as, as far as team members. Does that help? Yeah, no, it's it does. And I'm curious about whether uh, a manager can uh, both lead, maybe not at the same time. But uh, lead in front and lead beside. It's delicate. It's, uh, yeah. It takes practice. I mean, can you switch I those roles as appropriate? I think you can. Okay. I think you definitely can. Yeah. And I think it takes trying. Nothing is perfect. We mm-hmm. are all imperfect human beings. And 
but perfect for ourselves and the the life that we have and all that we experience in life. Mm. And if we keep that at the forefront, then we can give people grace, give people um, an opportunity to learn, whether it's the leader or the individual on the team. And that over time, that builds. People, mm. humans learn, um, whether it's from mistakes or whether it's from things they do well. And I think when you have a feedback loop or say space to learn and to practice, it helps. It really does help. Even when having those conversations, we were just talk, we were talking about whether it's about career mm-hmm. or about something that's a little bit more sensitive between a manager and employee. When you are able to um, speak freely, oh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> this happens well, on a Monday morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that that happens to me all the time. So, uh, so I get that. But but let, let's. Let's think. Uh, let's dive in a, a little bit different and pick up this thread. Um, uh, so, how do you, whether you're leading beside or leading in front, how has that, um, how has leadership for teams changed through the pandemic and now that we're we seem to be on the other side of that and we're dealing with where we're going from here, right? How do you think those have changed? I think it depends on the group. It's my favorite thing to say in HR. It depends. Sure. Right. <laughs> it depends on the circumstances within the group, but also what a leader has experienced. Mm-hmm. But I think more and more since the pandemic, the um, empathy, mm-hmm. compassion, I mentioned grace before, um, those things have become more apparent, made more to the front of a forefront of a conversation as opposed to a undergirding in the past. Well, have those stuck though? Because that was really a, a lot of the conversation during the pandemic. But is that has that stuck, or is that just is that now for some? And again, I know it like you say, it depends. For some, it's just a a bromide, if you will, mm-hmm. that you you say, but maybe you don't execute. I think. I think it has stuck to an extent Okay, being that we're more in a hybrid work environment more than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, like some of the things have stuck since pandemic and other things. It's just trying to find a, a healthy balance. And I still, still think we're working through that mm-hmm. just overall as a, a early as a world. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. L- let's talk about uh, navigating career development and growth. Um, from the employee's perspective, is that that where we want to go sure. with this? Yeah, let, let's let's talk about from their perspective, and let's start with the 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 smaller organization in which maybe there are just not that many seats within the organization. There are not that many positions to aspire to, and how that um, individual grows and develops, and how that manager that business owner creates opportunities for growth and development i think that there are always opportunities to create micro learnings so no matter how large or small the organization is someone has an interest in learning about something i think at first that individual needs to decide okay i'm going to do really well at my job what i'm paid to do every day but i can i have some discretionary time and effort that i like to put towards developing in this area and asking for that opportunity, Mm -hmm. whether it's one hour a week, whether it's 
two half, two half, broke it in two half an hours. Maybe it's something they do after work. Um, there's always an opportunity to learn, even sitting with someone, maybe it's for 30 minutes to learn about a particular skill or observe something if it's available or accessible. Um, I think there's always an opportunity and there's always volunteering. Mm-hmm. Volunteering gives a, even though it's not within a company, it's a great way to get skills, experience, build a muscle around uh, a certain competency, whether it's leading others, because leading others that don't report directly to you mm-hmm. is harder sometimes than people that actually report to you as yeah. a leader. Right. So I like to remind people that, or even suggest that volunteering is a bad, it's really great way externally. You're giving your time toward the organization that you love, that you choose and love to give time back to. And then you're getting something in return. Um, so it's a mutually beneficial or reciprocal relationship. Let's talk about maybe a uh, different scenario mm-hmm. in which, um, and this happens across all organizations, but the the employee that wants to grow and develop, but m- maybe they're they're pushed into some something just because of the lack of resources within that organization, right? And it's an all hands on deck kind of situation. Mm-hmm. They're pushed into in a direction that they don't see themselves. That's not great for them, at least the way they perceive it for their career longer term. Yeah, and, and it all depends on it. Sometimes people do things really well, but it's not what they love to do, right? Right. And I think And sometimes know. because they do it so well, it seems like they like to do it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> There's something we like to talk about a lot at my company. It's called strengths. Because mm-hmm. people have things it something a strength is something that you a little bit of dif- different definition of a strength. Mm-hmm. Um things that time passes quickly when you do it. Mm. It's a strength. Mm-hmm. Um, you're in a zone. It's like when you look up and like, oh, Three hours have gone by. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. You feel fulfilled. You feel engaged. You feel energized. Mm-hmm. And when we do, for instance, I do something I do really well, but I don't like to do it all the time. It's note taking. I'm a, I'm a stenographer when it comes to taking notes, mm-hmm. but it's not something I like to do all mm-hmm. the time, but I'll do it if it needs to be done or if it benefits the group as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's something for someone to individually manage, but also make sure that they are able to vocalize. I know I do this well. You see me, it's not, me doing this well. It's no kicking in this instance. Um, however, it's not something I like to do all the time, but I can do it in instances when it, all hands on deck, we need to get it done for the greater good, as long as it's not long term. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think going back to the manager, employee conversation, being able to communicate what you like to do well, things that you do well, but maybe doesn't energize you yep. can be really, really important in helping to helping a leader or helping someone that you're working with understand I do this really well, but it doesn't energize me all the time. And these are the things that I really love doing well. Mm. Yeah. Just maybe about, well, one is self-awareness and two is being able to communicate it. Folks, we're chatting with Dr. Aisha Wright Burke and Dr. Burke is with ADP. She's the director of talent solutions at ADP um, here in the uh, North Fulton area. Uh, so, Dr. Burke, let's talk about uh, the developing your skills, and let, let's sharpen in on mm-hmm. that. Um, first of all, do you think that 
employees need to continually reassess where their skills are. I mean, sometimes we think we know, but maybe we've got more skills than we think we know. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's a place for revisiting that every once in a while? Absolutely. Say more on that. (laughs) You're you're emphatic on that. I am. Uh, Because as time passes, we are are individuals. Time may pass quickly or slowly for us. mm -hmm. And the world around us changes. Change is a constant. mm -hmm. And reassessing and just revisiting, even if it's once a year, depending on what industry you're in, it could be more frequent than that. Mm -hmm. Reassessing, hey, these are the things I do really well. These are the things that are applicable to my work and could be applicable to other types of work is a great thing to do. I look at individual development as a evergreen. Mm-hmm. You're always cultivating. You're always tending like a garden. Mm-hmm. You're always tending. You're always cultivating it. You're always checking on it because you, you, you just want to stay vibrant as an individual. Mm-hmm. Um, the, um, yeah, I can't say it. I can't say how important. Yeah. It is just for individual growth professionally and out prof- professionally and personally, how that can be important for an individual. You don't want to stay stale. And if, and if you feel like you're stale in your role or you're um, stuck, it might be a good place to start re- reassessing skills, competencies, what you do, or just make a list. Yeah. Um, think about the things that you love, the things that you do well and that you don't get energized by because self-awareness is key. It's the first step. And um, thinking about what are the things that you like to learn about. And maybe if you don't know, try something. Talk with someone for 10 or 15 minutes. Ask somebody for coffee or for tea or for hot chocolate in my case. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And get to know what someone else does. Then it might pique your interest to learn something different. Mm -hmm. Whether it's about a topic, whether it's about a skill, or maybe you um, learn or grow within yourself to see, oh, maybe I need to grow a little bit more in that area mm. or maybe you've gotten feedback from manager or maybe not feedback but um just information to lend to hey you could improve in this area it's all like a big balance beam yeah that we're just trying to maintain right right and and when you talk i think people get the idea when you talk about change it's like you know i'm losing out mm. right and it it's not always that way at all, right? Sometimes the change works in your favor, depending Absolutely. on your skills, right? It does. Yeah. And you have to have an open mind. Like we mentioned earlier, that change is a constant. And as humans, most times we don't like change mm-hmm. because we like things to stay the same when they really don't over time. Right. So recognizing when something's changing, if you have a negative uh, viewpoint or something is triggered, think immediately about how can this benefit me? Hmm. what is the world telling me that I have to learn about this mm-hmm. when this change is occurring? Mm. Um, because it could, like you said, to be your benefit and you never know what possibilities could exist in front of you, no matter how bad it seems or how good it seems. Mm. Yeah. The, I love that. Um, let's talk about strength-based cultures. You talked about um, identifying and developing strengths. Mm-hmm. Uh, Let's talk about what you mean by that, number one, and then just basing your culture around those strengths that you see in individuals that are part of the team. A lot of times, every company, every organization has their own maturity levels when it comes to how they look at talent. And I think we're a little bit different at ADP. 
um, being that we look at, instead of having a small group of people that have potential, and we say these people have high potential or people have lower potential, we've done away with that over the last couple of years and mm-hmm. thought more to building our strength-based organization as a strength-based organization. About every individual has unique capabilities. Mm-hmm and a chance to grow within the organization. Mm. Of course, people might grow laterally. They might grow up in the organization. They might grow in role. But all those ways, people are growing in the organization and developing. So just trying to have more holistic view about talent, which I think is more, it resonates more, mm-hmm. um, especially with me, but I think with others as well, because we're not, it's not the uh, – have and have nots. Mm-hmm. It's everybody has something to give. Everybody is important. And even though we might give in different ways to the organization, all of our contributions count. Yeah. So what you're, what you're talking about is an organization that looks at their people as um, placed properly or not placed properly. Is that maybe one way to put it that, Hey, everyone belongs but it's just a matter of making sure the right person is in the right place, given their skills mm-hmm. and given the needs of the organization. Yes. Is that a way, a way to think about it? It is. And I think a lot of organizations think that way. It's uh-huh. just a matter of how they get there. Right. Yeah. Right. So talk about, let's talk about how you get there. I mean, um, um, we all like to think we're doing that, mm-hmm. right? How do you assess your, um, as an organization, your ability to do that, whether you're on the right track or not? And what are the warning signs if you're not? And how do you get there? So I think it starts with mindset yeah. and having a foundation of how you, everyone thinks about talent, about development in an organization. And also that you have to have um, pulses on tapping into the engagement of the organization. And those are frequent. We do them quarterly a year. Mm-hmm. Um, they can be more frequent than that. Just asking a simple eight questions on how we feel about the we in the organization and the me. Oh. And that way a manager can see how they're doing mm-hmm. with the team, how individuals are feeling, but also how they're feeling as a group in terms of engagement. Because I think engagement can really drive how people perform and role and that discretionary effort that we talked about earlier. Yep. There could be more discretionary effort given when someone is engaged in their role, engaged with their team, and engaged for the betterment of the organization. So I think that's a piece. And so you can find out the if something's going wrong, that's a that's a a dial a manager can use. Um and even self-reflectively an associate or an employee can use. Mm-hmm. Another piece is um what we talked about earlier, the manager employee conversation, how how those are happening, how frequent are they? Um we encourage weekly check-ins. With between manager and associate, so they can connect on the priorities for the, the next week and what's happened in the past week in terms of loved and loaves. In terms of saying loves oh. and loathed. Oh, kind of lo- love? loves and loathed. Oh, I like that. <laughs> wow. Um, um, and you, and you said loves as opposed to, or uh, loathes as opposed to hates. <laughs> Different. <laughs> <laughs> the alliteration is, uh, yeah, I like that. Um, um, yeah, and and so so do you. When you have those weekly conversations, do you document that? I mean, and I'm not talking about just from a point of view of trying to, you know, uh, 
uh, from a compliance point of view. I'm just talking about from just being able to keep some sense of the trend of your relationship with your employee. I feel like you know the standout system already. I promise you I didn't. I promise you I didn't. I've been hanging out at Sherm and listening to you. So, yeah. We do have a platform called Standout that okay. helps, supports leaders in these conversations and associates or employees. Uh-huh. And they would, um, I would every Friday mm. fill out my check-in. Mm-hmm. So that's the written version of the com- part of the conversation. So mm-hmm. that my manager can view it and I list my loves, I list my loaves, my priorities for the week and a couple other questions. Um, and then my manager can read that before we meet. That mm-hmm. might be a five-minute conversation, might be a 15-minute conversation in case of me and my manager, which I love. It's mm-hmm. usually 30 minutes or longer unless we have a very busy week. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can check in with each other to make sure we're aligned. Yeah. And I can go back and actually run a report because I'm not going to remember what I said two weeks ago or three weeks ago. Probably not in right. detail. Right. So I can run a report to see over the course of time that I've been having conversations with my leader, what are my loves? What are my lows? What things stand out? What did I need help with that mm-hmm. I asked my manager for? So it makes, mm-hmm. it's really helpful in retrospect to remind myself of the things that I love, the things that not only are loathe, because we all have things in our job that we loathe that we still need to do. The thing is, how do we find balance with the things that we love so we just balance that out? Wow. Some great words here uh, from Dr. Aisha Wright-Burke, who is the Director of Talent Solutions for ADP. Um, oh, we've 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 gotten our uh, money's worth talking to you just on <laughs> on those issues for sure. Wow, uh, lots of value here. Thank you for that. You're but welcome. I'll but I I don't want to close down this interview before we get to talk about succession planning mm. uh, because that's a really vital issue for a lot of businesses right now, particularly in a, a time of potentially higher turnover and uh, some of your employees getting uh, uh, lured off to another employer or what have you. And talk about the issue of succession planning and, and uh, how you view it. Every business needs to have a plan, not only for the talent, but for their business. Sure. So a lot of people don't think, well, sometimes don't think about succession planning as uh, business continuity, but it is a piece of it. Mm-hmm. A very important piece because you have to start with a plan in order to decide what else you're going to do if things change and things change all the time with businesses. Mm-hmm. So thinking about your talent, not only what critical roles you have today and who could potentially fill in those roles with different experiences or with different uh roles that they need to take on in order to have that targeted role. Leaders need to think through what kind of, through the conversations they've been having with their associates, Mm -hmm. even with their peer managers, what talent is available um, that they may not know about today in their purview. And thinking about that while they're thinking about, well, thinking about candidates for their key roles, Mm -hmm. Um, and also what actions they're going to take in the near term and longer term for people they need to develop that maybe are two roles away or more mm. or, or that are ready right now. Because even if you have a lot of people ready right now, who's to say that role is going to be available right now? So what other things can those ready now people can, can do as far mm. in terms of development? Or if you find that your pipeline is lacking, 
beyond people who are ready right now, what do you need to do? Who do you need to recruit? Who do you need to speak with in talent acquisition or other parts of the organization to make sure you have talent that's ready? Um, the best thing is to have a plan because when you have no plan, then you're, you're already starting with the hole being dug for you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, wow. What a great conversation. I wish we could keep going, uh, uh, but we'll have to have you back, right? Of course. <laughs> I'll always be glad to come back. <laughs> Thank you so much. Dr. Aisha Wright-Burke with ADP, Director of Talent Solutions there at ADP. Dr. Burke, this has been gr- great, and we can't uh, tell you how much we appreciate you taking the time to come in and visit us. And Absolutely. and uh, we we're, and we're delighted we can shine the work on the great work you do. But um, before we let you go, though, for folks that have heard something that makes uh, they makes them want to reach out to you and learn more, how can they do that? Again, um, my email address is Aisha at adp.com. Terrific. Best way to reach me. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, John. It's been a, a pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. I'm delighted you came in. So we pre- we appreciate you and the work you're doing. So thank you. Hey, folks, just a quick uh, reminder. If you've got some, um, well, some weaknesses in your back office, speaking of strengths and weaknesses, if you've got uh, some administrative tasks that are weighing you down, you've got accounting that you're doing yourself and you really need to outsource that to someone else and let somebody else handle that. Um, the office, the team at Office Angels has a whole team of angels that fly in, get that work done for you, and they fly out. And they do it on an ongoing or as needed basis. And all you need to do is call 678 678- Five two eight zero five zero zero. Explain what your problem is, and they will connect you with one or more of their team of angels that will help solve that problem for you and help you restore the joy that you used to have in your business. If you're shy, you can go to officeangels.us, but I encourage you just give them a call six seven eight five two eight zero five zero zero and let them know that we sent you. And just a quick thank you to you, our listeners. You have uh, propelled us to now almost 700 episodes of North Fulton Business Radio, and we're excited by that uh, landmark. And we've only gotten this far because of you. You have uh, supported the show. You share the show. You uh, follow us on social media and uh, uh, share the content there. And we're just very grateful for your support over these uh, seven and a half or so years that we've been doing uh, this show. So thank you, as, and uh, keep up that work, if you will. Uh, if you've heard something here that makes you want to share this show, and I can't imagine you haven't uh, with what has Dr. Burke has had to share with us, uh, please do so. And help us continue to fulfill our mission to be the voice of business in the North Fulton region. So for my guest, Dr. Aisha Burke, I'm John Ray, Join us next time here on North Fulton Business Radio.